I'm Matt Morton, and this is VCU Ram Nation, the podcast. VCU is now a one seed heading into the Atlantic 10 tournament in Brooklyn. The Rams will face the winner of number eight, Rhode Island, and number nine, LaSalle, on Friday at noon. VCU head coach Mike Rhodes was just awarded Atlantic 10 Coach of the Year, while Marcus Evans made all-conference first team, and Dariante Jenkins made all-conference third team. On the call today are Matt Shelton-Eyde, Michael Hagan, and special guest Michael Litos. One of the most glaring snubs is the fact that not a single VCU player made the Atlantic 10 defensive teams. Uh, help me understand how that's possible. Well, d- clearly, and this has always been a long-standing thing with these all-defensive team awards, it, it's the all-steals-and-blocks team. It doesn't matter if you're a terrible defender that happens to block a lot of shots, like the Oceani kid from St. Bonaventure. You block a lot of shots, you're, you're going to get on that team. You steal the ball a lot, you're going to get on that team because the coaches don't have that kind of time to reach deep into the scouting reports and into the advanced metrics and things like that. You know, They're more worried about how you're going to defend the other guy as well. So they don't really know. Um, they just know that, you know, hey, best player, Isaac Van is going to be covering you tonight, and, and here are his tendencies. That's kind of the way that goes. So when you've got a kid that just sits down and plays jersey thread counting defense like Isaac Van, or you know plays the ball pressure that Marcus Evans puts on players, other point guards is absolutely amazing, and it's a fun little thing to watch during a game. There's just nothing easy out on the point. I mean, those never really show up in stats. Uh, maybe I'll have the time on the drive to Brooklyn to look up, you know, how guys shot throughout the season and how they shot with. Isaac Van covering them, but it it just, it is what it is. And it's always been this way with an all defensive team. So yes, it was a snub. No, it's not a surprise, but quite frankly, if, you know, if JD Byers or Mike Rhodes is going to get up in Isaac Van's ear in the BDC during practice, I'm all for it. I'll take that snub. Yeah. I I, honestly, I, you know, I I was, I, I worry about every game. Um, and, and obviously playing LaSalle, a team that really got up big on us and playing in Rhode Island, um, one of those two in the first one, you know, it, it made, you know, makes you a little bit nervous, but I've never felt as confident, confident about our Friday game as I do now following that particular snub. Yeah, because, I mean, this is going to be a team. Yeah, well, no, because you would think, all right, it's the Friday game, it's noon. You know, there's a lot of things that are, from a focus perspective going against you um, and a team that's offensively gifted like LaSalle, uh, you know, or a team that can hit you with different players like Rhode Island could sneak up on you, snap off one of those 16, four runs and suddenly you're in a basketball game and they're playing with confidence. But, but this VCU team, they don't necessarily measure themselves against the other guy. I think they kind of measure themselves against themselves and a standard of excellence. So if they needed anything to refocus themselves between the ears I think they got it, and I. Whoever wins between Rhode Island and LaSalle is they're, they're in for a heap of trouble on Friday. Who do you think is the tougher matchup between those two teams? Well, I think when they're playing well, I think Rhodey is a tougher matchup. 
you know, because they've got a couple of those big kids that that are really athletic. They can rebound the basketball. They can score a little bit. You know, when you've got Down, who's got a great head on his shoulders, and Fats Russell, who if he's knocking down shots, he's just fast enough to cause problems. But I think LaSalle is the more dangerous team because they're so good on the offensive end. And they've got so many different kids between, you know, Dees, Powell, all these guys can really knock down threes and they're a rhythm team. And if they get into a rhythm that they can really make it difficult on you. And um, just one last question on the, the voting mechanism of the um, A-10 awards. I don't know if anyone knows how the voting actually happens. Is it just the head coaches? And and if so, do they submit like a list of um, candidates for a particular um, award, you know, like all defensive team, do they just submit like 10 to 15 names that they think should be on that list? Oh yeah. I I'd, I'd say what, what it is, is each, each coach nominates and for like all defensive, it's two, uh, you know, and for the all a 10 teams, it might be three. I, I don't know the specific number of guys, but your coach will nominate a couple guys from your team for the different awards. They go, they all go into a pool and the coaches then vote on that list. So if it's, you know, two guys from all 14 teams, you got a list of 28 guys you have to pick from. Now you also cannot vote for your own guys. Um, so it's actually, I guess, a list of 26 that you will be voting for and you vote for your five and then the highest vote, you know, the, the highest vote totals get the, get the nod. I feel like that's, that's, I feel like that's a little bit of extra motivation, just the knowing that it was the coaches and not some random media guy. It's like, Hey, players, this, these group of coaches, they're the reason you didn't win any all defensive team honors. So have fun in Brooklyn. So I, I like that little extra bit of knowledge. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's one thing to say these knucklehead media guys that don't know what the hell they're talking about anyway, didn't vote you in, but it, it's another thing that the guys whose job it is to go against you and scout you don't think you're good enough for this, that, or the other. That's, that's a different level of motivation. And let me tell you, this is, I mean, the, the kids take pride in this. I mean, it, it's, you know, it's not really a big deal if you think about it for us or for fans that no VCU players made, you know, the all defensive team. All right. So they didn't life goes on. Quite frankly, we're all going to forget about it by the time Friday comes, but, but it matters to the kids and it matters to an Isaac van and it matters to a Marcus Evans and it matters to, uh, I don't know, an Isaiah Dees who I just, you know, it matters to the kids. So it should matter. Um, you know, but it doesn't. Is, and I, I think that that has kind of been the identity of certainly this team, but a lot of VCU teams in the past as being kind of doubted and, and proving proving people wrong. And do you, do you guys think that being left out of the top 25 also will play a factor in, in you know, how VCU plays? No, I mean, it's just another, if anything, it's just another source of motivation, um, but maybe not much more than that. I will concur with the man from Rhode Island. No, I, I made that up, but no, I, I, I agree. It's, you know, it kind of goes back to that whole, they're measuring themselves against themselves. So, you know, what? we're not in the top 25 in you know, tough nuggies. We'll, we'll show you on the floor. Yeah. I always like sliding a little bit under the radar this time of year. Right, but I think uh, one of the one of the joys um, heading into this trip to Brooklyn is um, knowing that we're on the, the the radar of the selection committee, 
Um, and I asked Mike Rhodes about that actually about uh, after the last game, if if that actually is is helpful, basically not playing for your lives because but you know by every bracketologist's um, at this point we're we're in we're in the field and we're in pretty comfortably and also just the fact basically VCU finishing 27th in the last AP poll I mean that tells you where 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 we want to be going into Brooklyn and and um, I asked Rhodes about that you know does it help to play loose because you know when you're when you can go home and that's the end of the season if you lose it's it's easy to tighten up so I think playing with that knowledge of like um, we're dancing regardless. And so we can, you know, you're playing to win, not just playing not to lose um, combined with the snub. I think, um, I think VCU is in a great position. Um, and, and speaking of great positions, I, I want to um, ask you guys, um, how do you feel about uh, the path we have on the bracket? And I'm just curious how you guys um, sort of reacted to the bracket when you saw, you know, um, who who all was on our side and, and who was on the other side? And I'll start with you, Litos. We could not have asked for a better bracket. I mean, literally, if you would have laid it out in early February, pick the perfect bracket for VCU, we would have gotten it right. It's it's you know LaSalle, uh, you know, a team we beat earlier this season, and they're kind of up and down versus Rhode Island, which is a team we just tatered by thirty points. You know, then you've got the winner of St. Bonaventure, George Mason, George Mason, who just broke a school record, holding them to 36 points. And St. Bonaventure, who was out of the game up there about three minutes into it, um, versus the other side, which is kind of the bracket of blood with Duquesne, Dayton, Davidson, St. Joe's is a tough team. I mean, there, there's a lot going on on that side of the bracket. I agree. I have a sleeper on that side of the bracket. And, um, It'll shock people on on this podcast, but watch out for the Richmond Spiders. I'm serious; they won Matt, at Matt, What's your reasoning behind Matt, that? How much have you been drinking tonight? No, I just I mean through two games. <laughs> I, obviously, I like them against Fordham, but I'm just saying they won at St. Louis. They put 84 on them, so watch out for Richmond. That's my sleeper pick on that one. All right. But then they'll lose the next game. But I'm just saying, watch out. They they'll could, get one win. They're, maybe they'll get they one. Could, right. They could knock slew out. Well, come on. The, the four of us and a dead guy propped up could be Fordham. Yeah. I was I was just going to say, it, it's definitely nice being on the top side of the bracket where you're not, you know, because this is the first time we've been a one seed in the A-10, and we're not dealing with these, you know, being a two or a three and dealing with that side of the bracket, which is, you know, just – this year is just, in my opinion, stacked. Yeah. I was going to say, all, all the great games in Brooklyn are on that side of the bracket. I mean, if you start to look at some of those matchups, I mean, that's just absolutely phenomenal. If a semifinal could be Dayton and Davidson and Duquesne playing either one of those teams, just an absolutely great side of the bracket. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, too, even even in the, the 10 seed, St. Joe's has been terrible, but they've got some guys that – I think are capable of so much more. I mean, they beat Davidson. And so that's your 10 seed is the preseason number two. And so I think that bracket um, almost from top to bottom, is just, it's going to be fun. Hopefully, obviously we take care of business then we can all have a nice little dinner and then just really enjoy those games. <laughs> yeah. I certainly like our, our side of the bracket. Um, one thing that I'm looking at, if uh, it ends up being this way is, you know, St. Bonaventure fans in Brooklyn, um, 
you know, I would rather not see them. I obviously would rather play against a team. We just kept to 36 points. Um, yeah, I think, you know, with them being a double buy coming in on a Friday, 2.30 p.m., that they might have a pretty solid turnout. Yeah, they'll be in uh, true form, most likely. The fans. I'm, I'm just happy to be back in Brooklyn after D.C. and Pittsburgh as well. Yeah. I think it's – I think – um. I thought, uh, you know, VCU playing uh, on a Thursday, we had solid attendance last year. Um, but I think uh, Ram fans seem to really like Brooklyn. And if you get uh, VCU versus St. Bonaventure, that could be one of the better atmospheres I think we've ever seen um, in an in Atlantic, Atlantic 10 tournament mm-hmm. game. Michael Litos, what's your plan for Brooklyn? When are you getting up there? I am leaving first thing Wednesday morning, and I'm just going to go hang out in Brooklyn for a couple of days. Um, you know, hopefully traffic doesn't kill us. Uh, hopefully work doesn't get in the way, but, you know, I'll be up there to hang out for a couple of days and soak it all in and remind myself of all the things that are great about Brooklyn, and then the games will start. And that's amazing because that is Wednesday as in tomorrow. Um, <laughs> so... I'm quite jealous about that. Well, it, it, Mike, it's a work day. I'd... Right. So will you make it to, will you be at those games tomorrow? Or are you just going to enjoy some city time? No, no, I'm enjoying city time with my wife. I, I have no interest in those Wednesday games. Mm-hmm. I'm being honest. You asked. I, you're you're yeah. always going to get honesty out of me. Um, uh, Sort of uh, semi-related, but I just want to say Hofstra has, has made it a game with Northeastern. It's a four-point game for anyone who's paying attention to that. Um, oh, my man Jerry Beach is off the rails right now. Back to the um, awards. Um, who 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 do you think who do you think were your biggest snubs? Minus the just the defensive thing. Like who are some guys that you really like that you don't think show up in those sort of uh, volume stats who are some guys around the league that you that are maybe not um all all uh, atlantic 10 but all leaders type of players yeah i mean there's there's guys on and off the team i mean i i don't think that there's really any snubs on those three teams when you take a look i mean they're all great players and they all deserve to be on it in some right you know i, I think marcus santos silva probably deserved to be on one of those teams could have been on one of those teams. Was he snubbed? No, because somebody else that was on one of the teams, you know, could have, um, you know, has just as much of an argument as Marcus does to be on the team, which is fine. Uh, you know, but when I think about some of the guys that I like around the league, I, I think Cyril Langevin is a first team player. Um, I don't think Grady had a first team all conference season. He was great in some games, but he was invisible in some others. Um, Oh, who else? Well, you jumped me with that. I, I love the Goodwin kid from St. Louis. I, I think he's one of those point guards that just controls a basketball game. He, he's a favorite of mine. Um, I think Jeff Galton is a phenomenal point guard and, and just impacts his team and impacts winning so much more than he gets credit for. Um, those are the guys that stand out to me that I think probably deserved a, a little bit more than they got. Um you know, it's, it's easy to be a volume shooter and a volume scorer when you're, you know, one of the U masses of the world, but, you know, but when you've got 
you know, when you've got a team that spreads it out a lot and wins a lot, um, you know, everybody has their role. And when you're able to excel in your role and make your team better, that's the kind of guy that I think, whether or not you put up 17 points or seven points, that's the kind of guy I think deserves a little bit more love than he gets. Um, related to that, and, and you mentioned him, um, how much of a difference do you think, because uh, you, you know, look at a lot of the core um, of the minutes played on this year's team and last year, and it's quite similar. How much do you think that uh, one of the hugest differences in the improved defense is basically just having Marcus Santos Silva and um, uh, Corey back there on D? Um, or how much you think is that and how much you think is just an overall sort of team improvement? Because if you look at some of these guys' numbers, they're night and day from last year to this year. Um, and, you know, it's it just seems like, uh, in, in terms of efficiency, that is. But I'm just wondering how much you think is guys got better and how much is like it's a lot easier to look better when you've got Marcus and Corey back there helping you and hedging hard and doing stuff like that. Yeah, so I, I, I think that's a great question, by the way, and I, I think it's a couple of things. Um, number one, I think it is guys buying in. I mean, Dariante Jenkins has probably played more defense in the last 25 games than he did in his lifetime, um, but so he's bought into playing good, solid defense. That The way he communicates on the floor is exponentially better than, than what he ever did, but I think what is really causing it is – VCU is really, really good at the head of the defense and at the back of the defense. So the ball pressure that Marcus Evans puts on opposing point guards, forcing them to throw, you know, high arc, lazy passes or a pass five feet outside where they want to initiate their offense and nothing is easy matters. The fact that they can't initiate offense until there's 12 seconds left on the shot clock is very, very important on the backside. Matt, I think you're exactly right. Um, Corey Douglas and Marcus Santos Silva at the rim are able to wipe away or intimidate away mistakes because we do make mistakes, but if they're back there, Corey Douglas just such a great job with timing his jumps and using his body. He's not going to block the shot. He's going to make it, you know, a degree of difficulty of eight as opposed to a degree of difficulty of two. Uh, so I think what you see in the numbers for everybody is, is really caused by the head of the defense and the back of the defense being really, really good. Did, did anyone, uh, you know, I, I, I'm just kind of thinking here, you know, you know, VCU being ranked in the preseason at number seven, uh, you know, where I wonder where we would have ranked VCU in the preseason, the people here I with can, us today. I, I can tell you mine because I had to do it for A-10 talk. And I, I had us as fifth, and that was – I think very optimistic. Um, I did think the, uh, and you can ask our guy, Steve Boyd, alien Aiden. I did think the defense would be better. I had no idea it would be that much better. So I figured the defense was guaranteed to be better. And if Evans um, could come in and give us some offense, um, we could be pretty good. But, but fifth was as high as I had it. And basically we had guys in at a 10 talk and these are good guys. A lot of people give them crap, but you know, they're working hard writing for free. Um, we had guys rank them tenth, so but I had I had us uh, fifth heading into the season. How about you, Litos? I I think fifth would have been about right. I, I, quite frankly, I mean, so it, it, here's the funny thing about all defense teams. So we'll tie a couple storylines together. Justin Tillman, 
made all defensive team, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Not a good <laughs> defender, Justin Tillman. As much as I love yeah. the kid and as awesome as he was, not a good defensive player. Um, and yeah, and sure. if you, you know, and, and luckily, you know, or fortunately or, or whatever you want to say, I, I was able to see some of those guys, the Marcus Evans play um, and understand that the attitude that he brought to the team and understanding, you know, the attitude and the offensive ability and just knowing Isaac Van would be healthy and all of those factors. I think fifth is probably right because I think when you look at things um, from a preseason perspective, I think people get too hung up in, you know, first versus second versus third or fourth versus fifth right. versus sixth or what have you. There, there's, it, it, there's so much of a grouping. I mean, I think last year, was it two games? Was the difference in third place and ninth place? I mean, two games. Oh, exactly. And that's that, that's yeah. two buzzer beaters that don't go your way in the difference in third and ninth. So I, I, I think we get hung up in that too much sometimes. Um, but when you start grouping teams about where they were, I would have expected us to be better at the top of the league. Probably not in the preseason, um, but, but certainly a team that was going to be improved. So what what was it that made the difference this season that brought us to where we are today? Yeah, I think leadership. I, I, I think attitude. Um, and, and it's not just Marcus Evans and, and his competitiveness. You know, Isaac Van has taken on the role of showing the young guys what it's like to work hard. Um, I think Dariante Jenkins being more of a talker and, and willing to be more assertive on the court. You know, Mobley and Santos Silva. They're not, you know, wet behind the ears freshmen. They are now sophomores and they've got a voice in that locker room. And it's just the respect that the players have for each other. Um, and when they're able to buy into the identity of who we're going to be and, and what we need to do to win games. And that identity is defense. I mean, we're, we're going to throw the ball all around the gym and, you know, we're going to have 20 turnover nights and we're going to shoot 30%. You know, because we're not the most skilled offensive team. We're not bad, but we're certainly better than we were in non-conference. Uh, but if you're playing defense, you're going to be in every game. I mean, we scored nine points in 15 minutes against Mason, which is awful. And we were down seven. I mean, think about that. I mean, that's what defense gets you. You can play as wretched as you possibly could on the offensive end and still be within a couple possessions in any game. And I think that's our calling card, and the guys bought into it. And the reason why they bought into it is the leadership, I think, that those three upperclassmen brought. Yeah, and I think also, too, um, it, I mean, if you just look at the, just the depth. I mean, Michael Gilmore, he's been our third five-man, and he's given us some very good minutes. And that's, that's your number five guy. Um, especially in in Atlantic 10 play, Michael Gilmore's true shooting percentage in a 10 play is 67%. And that is our number three big. I mean, how many times, you know, loved his attitude, but we saw a good bit of Lewis Jonkum last year. And, you know, I think that's been huge is to just be able to, uh, one, all of our younger guys like Mobley and them have just gotten better and better, but just having waves of really sort of no let up. I mean, having sometimes, you know, when you get Vince Williams comes in off the bench, you're, you know, that's a guy who can maybe even start or same deal, Corey Douglas, uh, he did start a bit. And, and so there's just, um, it just seems like there's no drop off. And also obviously the defense is just light years ahead of last year. 
Well, is it not thing, one of the best bench teams in the country? It's one of the Without deepest question. benches. It's hard to say the best. It's um, VCU ranks 24th nationally in bench, bench minutes played, which is also something I love heading into this week in Brooklyn with uh, you know game after game set up. Yeah, that uh, that's why I like us on Sunday. I mean, D- Davidson plays a decent number of guys, but they don't rely on production from those guys. Uh, I'm sorry, Davidson, Dayton, they don't play a lot of guys. So, so you're going to get some tired teams. And, you know, and I think the depth thing is about so many different facets of the game. And and it's, you know, Matt, you're right. The, the ability for Mike Gilmore to play some significant minutes. But you know what? He doesn't have to. He, he can be awful one night or he could play four minutes one night you know and we'll get malik crowfield who had not done squad in about three weeks step up and hit hit big shots against richmond um you know or kel sims who played a lot better earlier in the season but that was his time to shine so when you've got guys like that and you've got those kind of options that you don't have to rely on seven guys and all seven are going to have to contribute right because that depth helps at the front of the lineup too, you know, Marcus Evans can have a nine point night, but he's got Isaac Van and Dariante Jenkins. So it's, it, it's a multifaceted team that you can throw out and you know, the intensity doesn't drop. So guys just get tired of seeing new guys in fresh legs coming at them, uh, you know, 150% the whole game that just wears you down mentally. Yeah. Related to this. Um, I was just curious about depth in playing time um, from a player's perspective. And so I reached out to, uh, you know, our guys, um, Bradford Burgess and Brandon Rozell, just to ask him, I was like, you know, what, what's it really like, um, you know, playing 35, 40 minutes a game and just how exhausting is it? And basically what they said, or at least I can remember what Brad said was essentially at our style of play and our tempo, you do need that depth. Um, obviously, um, I think one thing, you know, Davidson, um, they, they don't use their bench at all. Uh, Dayton doesn't really either. I mean, these are like, they rank some of the bottom teams in the country in bench minutes played, but they also have two of the slowest tempos. Same thing for Bonaventure. And so I think for our style of play, um, even if it's not quite as fast as it used to be, um, they said that that depth is important because, you know, you're going – 110 miles an hour on every possession. And so I just thought that was interesting to hear from a, from a player who's done it. Yeah, well it is, but I think it's also important the the style we play, not just the pace and the number of possessions, but the intensity that we bring to the floor. I, I, I mean, I don't care if you're going to play 64 possessions versus 70 possessions. If you have to play those 64 possessions, you know, redlining at 7,000 RPM, that matters versus playing a slow pace where we sit back in a zone and work the shot clock and don't really demand much of you and crud like that. I mean, we demand a lot of teams every second of the shot clock. Um, totally unrelated to this, <laughs> but I want to ask you, Mike, I mean, we've known you for a while um, back when you were a CAA hoops blogger, how much fun have you had just being one of the voices of the VCU Rams? Oh, I'll tell you, anybody that asks me, I tell them the very same thing is I've got the greatest hobby in the history of the planet. Robbie and I have so much fun on the broadcasts. I mean, it's it's already been seven years and it only feels like two or three. 
Um, I've been very fortunate. Our, Our coaching staffs have been wonderful. They've been open with me. They've you know, they'll take my dumb questions, you know, all of those kinds of things. It's just been a program that top to bottom has been full of great people that make this experience fun. I am very, very fortunate and very, very appreciative of, of everything that uh, that this program is about and, and my role in it, however small it may be. So, Mike, um, you know, after being a fan for so long and uh, now calling games, aside from having one of the best seats on the court. Um, what's the funnest part about doing what you're do- doing, what you do with Robbie calling games? I, you know what? We're, I, I think our styles mesh really well. We're just two guys watching a basketball game. You know, he, he's got the hard part. He's got to call the action. Um, and, and he's got to get all that right. But I think we've both adopted the philosophy of, look, let's, let's get it. Number one, let's get it right. And number two, let's be smart. And after that, all bets are off. Let's just have some fun. And, and we're just two guys sitting beside each other watching a basketball game and talking about what we're seeing. I mean, we, it's, you know, this is not surgery. Yeah, the buzzer's going to go and nobody's dying. It's college basketball and we're calling the game for fans. So we may as well have fun. I mean, there was yeah, last year and I, I forgot which game it was, but it was the one right before Christmas. We worked 11 Christmas vacation references into our broadcast because we wanted to. <laughs> And that, that's just that's just that's the way we do it. Yeah, I mean, you guys, you guys do an awesome job. And oftentimes, when I leave the game, I'll hop in my car and just listen to the broadcast on the way home. And uh, it's always just such such an enjoyable thing. And I can't think of anyone who knows this VCU basketball program better than you. Really understands the X and O's, X's and O's, and breaks it down uh, for the listeners. And I think that's uh, that's what's really been awesome about having you on the radio um we're at the 31 minute mark and uh this caa finals getting close and i know we probably want to let uh michael lead us go so i just want to say um thanks for joining us it's been awesome to get to talk to you especially right before uh we head into brooklyn uh, to to get going here well I, I certainly appreciate your words matt thank you it's um it's a lot of fun what we do, and, and I would probably be remiss if the, the work you guys do is is Herculean and heroic, and, and we all certainly appreciate it. Um, believe me, more people that probably you know it appreciate the work you guys do. So, no, I'll, I'll always make time for you guys. What you're doing is phenomenal. Don't change a thing, except for a couple little tweaks. But, <laughs> but no, you, <laughs> yeah, you guys do an awesome job, so just, just keep doing what you do.